Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel, and I have with me, as always, Jake Pavorsky and Josh Brown. And today we're going to preview the Super 16 for TBT 2016, which kicks off on Thursday, July 26th, live from Atlanta, Georgia. It's going to be an unbelievable Super 16, by far the most talent that we've ever had in a TBT 20 in, in a TBT Super 16. But let's start right up, and we'll say hey to Jake and Josh. You're both together in Atlanta. How's that feel? Yeah, it's good, Dan. If you hear laughter in the background, it's because uh, we've never recorded in the same room. So uh, I don't know. Who knows what will end up going down? Jake, are you Sorry, enjoying? Josh, <laughs> trying to tickle, Josh is trying to tickle me the whole time. That's why. <laughs> I, I joke, though. No, I mean, the, we just got down to, to Georgia State, and the gym is really nice. And obviously, they're getting things set up. And it's, it's a very intriguing Super 16. And I, I think the hype surrounding this year's TBT, as it should be, has become – more more so than ever, and the Super 16 has 16 really solid teams, a lot with with a very legitimate shot at the title. And I think the the buzz surrounding this year's event has has really grown uh, in year five, which I'm very excited about. It definitely feels that way. Let's guys, let's kick it off. We'll start up with tomorrow night's game, which is July 26th on Thursday at 7 p.m. The number two seed. This is the South Regional. The number two seed Ram Nation, the VCU alumni team, against the number six seed team DRC. Ram Nation played in front of a home crowd in Richmond, Virginia for the South Regional a couple of weeks ago. Really looked great. They added Briante Weber, who I know is a huge fan favorite for all of those VCU Ram uh, fans out there. Um, but this looks like a really solid team from Ram Nation. On the other side, you've got Team DRC, which added a four-time TBT or Brandon Robinson to its roster. They look very impressive in Richmond, Virginia as well. Uh, they also feature a lot of big-name guys on that squad as well. But, Josh, let's start with you and your thoughts on this matchup. Yeah, Dan, I mean, uh, we were in Richmond together, and you you kind of hit the nail on the head with Ram Nation. It's Ram Nation. You know um, they're good. They, they have talented guard play. Uh, they have really good bigs this year. So uh, they're a good team. So I, I'm going to focus a little bit on DRC, who's a newcomer in TBT. They're, they're just great, Dan, as you can attest to. Uh, Dominic Jones was kind of the MVP of the weekend average, uh, 22 and a half points a game down in Richmond. But it's not just him. Darius Washington hit the game winner against um, the Memphis alumni. Uh, he obviously went to Memphis, so that was kind of a big deal. Kenny Brown averaged almost 18 points a game. Uh, Keith Clanton, who's played in TBT for a couple of years, is a good big man for them. So um, this DRC team with Brandon Robinson, Dan, um, you know, I, I think there's major upset alert potential in this game, if you can even call it that. I think when you get to this round, every team's a good team. So I don't know how much you can call it that. But I know even talking to Matt Shelton Ide from Ram Nation, this DRC team, it was a matchup he was kind of worried about before TBT even began. So now it's kind of come to fruition. Uh, and it would not shock me at all if DRC won this game. I'm sure we'll make our predictions, but uh, I, I could see upset alert right off the bat here in uh, in uh, Atlanta. There's a lot of ball handlers on this DRC roster. Uh, I think Christopher Warren, Chris Warren from Ole Miss is going to play probably a lot more against VCU than he did against any other team that they've played. But Jake, one of the guys that they are bringing back who didn't make it to the regional round because of a summer league conflict, who really could be a huge difference maker for DRC is Eric Griffin. Yeah, Aaron Griffin from Campbell, who has had a cup of coffee uh, in TBT in the past as well, is definitely going to be an important player for them. A uh, former D-League All-Star who can man the, the forward spot and, and really jump out of the gym uh, should give them a, a different dynamic uh, for that team alongside a lot of their scorers. And it'll be interesting to see how the two teams match up stylistically. DRC is more of a one-on-one iso ball type team where when you have a lot of scorers, you're able to play like that. And uh, VCU also has a lot of scores on their team as well, but it's much more of a team unit, try and move the ball around on the half court, create some threes for each other. 
uh, been banging side a little bit with some of their big men. James Farr looks like a very important ad for them early on. It's some big shots down the stretch for them in their first couple games to help them uh, move past the Elam ending. And obviously when you add a guy like Briante Weber as well as a late ad, a guy who is, is perfect for this team, even though they're already very deep in guards, gives them a, a true stopper defensively at the point guard position who can really keep people like Dominique Jones, Brandon Robinson, Chris Warren at bay. We're talking about a guy who was on the, the D-League slash G-League all-defensive team for the past two years, three-time A-10 Defensive Player of the Year, NCAA Steals Leader in 2014, and had you know was playing in the NBA this year alone with the Memphis Grizzlies and the Houston Rockets. Very important ad for them. Excited to see how he gels with this group. Josh, this game's going to remind me, I think, a little bit of that 2014 TBT championship game that featured Notre Dame against Team Barstool in that it feels like DRC is going to play an NBA-style game, and Ram Nation is really going to play that Havoc-style uh, college basketball um, style of play that they have at VCU. Is that your kind of read on this as well? Yeah, I think you're, you're right, Dan. Um, talking to DRC, I think they just have um, – that. You know, Dominique Jones is a centerpiece. They just have a lot more chemistry than he had with that Tampa Bulls team. Um, you know, nothing against Tampa Bulls, but I, he just didn't really want to be there with that team uh, and and just kind of talking to him. He really has a good chemistry with these guys. Uh, he obviously has – he's an NBA champion. Uh, but then you look at some of the other guys, um, like we've mentioned, Washington, Brown, uh, Eric Campbell, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, I think um, DRC, they're going to definitely try to get out and transition. They're a quick team. Um It'll be interesting to see how they can kind of break that havoc type of defense. I think if DRC has problems, it will be um, it'll be that right there. I mean, we saw VCU press for really the whole game, um, but like I said, this DRC team has so much chemistry. They play together all summer long in that pro am down in Florida that I don't think they're going to have a big problem kind of meshing and really, um, you know, finding a way to kind of break that havoc defense. I think on the VCU side of the ball, it seemed to me that they needed to get a little bit more offense. If, if I'm remembering correctly, I don't think that Eric Maynard even scored a point through the two games. Maybe he scored a couple, but Josh, you can speak to that. Having been there, they need to get a little bit more offense out of some of their, some of their key guys. I think obviously Rizel was a huge part of why they made it through uh, the first two games in Richmond, but it seems like they need to do a little bit more on the offensive end. Uh, Josh, is that your read on uh, Ram nation as well? Yeah, they are. I mean, Eric Maynard, you know, they're lucky they got the two wins, but you need more than zero points. I mean, uh, that's your leading guy. That's the guy you're going to turn to down the stretch. Uh, luckily, luckily, for them, Roselle was really good, as he always is. Reggie Williams was good for them. Um, and they had a couple of other standouts there. But I just worry with them, Dan. I'm all about having, you know, as many guys as possible. And it's great that they have a full team bringing all these former Rams together. But I think at some point you're a little bit too deep. I mean, if you look at the stats, I mean, a lot of guys had to give up a lot of minutes for this team. And you just wonder, moving forward, I mean, how many different lineups can you trot out there? I mean, they, they possibly have, like, like you know, 20 different lineup combinations with all the guys they have on their team. So you wonder if that's going to maybe come back and, and maybe haunt them a little bit late in the game. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. We haven't seen, Jake, a lot of teams be successful with deep, deep rosters like that, 13 through 15 type guys. For sure. And I mean, and you had guys who have been important pieces on that team in the past and Jamal Shuler, B.A. Walker, uh, you know, playing two minutes apiece in that game against the Atlanta uh, Dirty South that went down to the wire. Those are guys that were logging heavy minutes for them down the stretch in important games. Uh, in last year's Super 16 and beyond. It'll be interesting for them to try and figure out the right line of combinations, the right guard combinations, especially when you throw Briante Weber in the mix. And granted, Briante is more of a point guard than a combo guard, and Eric can kind of do some stuff. Eric Maynard can do some stuff off the ball, but 
you need Eric Maynard as, as much as you need anyone else on that team. So hopefully I don't imagine Briante will mess with the sort of the, the core group there. And, you know, if you need a defensive stop in general, you can just bring him in in certain situations where, you know, guys are hot. You can try and slow him down a little bit, but they're going to need to try and, and balance all those guards. And maybe they, they tried out some, some three and maybe even four guard lineups in, in certain situations, get up and down the court, spread, spread the floor out a little bit and, and do some interesting things in, in a way that overseas elite has done in the past. And, Maybe they sort of have that mind looking down the road for a, a potential future matchup there, but don't want to get too ahead of, uh, far ahead of them. Obviously, got to get through DRC first, but I, I do like Ram Nation to, uh, to eke this one out. Oh, so we're making predictions for every game. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. What do you have, Josh? I, I'm going DRC with the upset. Interesting. I'll go with Ram Nation only because they're higher seeded. I think that's going to be a fantastic game that will come down to the final possession for the winning team. I'll just say that. That's the 7 o'clock game on ESPN2. That game features Ram Nation, the two-seed, against the six-seed Team DRC. Right after that, back-to-back again on ESPN2 at 9 p.m. is the three-time defending champion, number one seeded in the South Overseas Elite, facing the number four seed, Louisiana United. Uh, guys, Louisiana United looked fantastic. And I think overall probably had the two most confident wins uh, of any team that advanced through the uh, through the South Regional a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, Overseas Elite, there's not much more you can say about these guys. They're 21-0 and 0 now in TBT history, which is just absolutely unbelievable. Uh, they didn't win by a huge margin, but they really didn't seem like they were challenged uh, too much in the South Regional as well. It looked to me like Jeremy Pargo fit in perfectly with that team, and Will McDonald was exactly the sort of big body that they needed uh, down low. But overall, they looked tremendous. I thought everybody in Overseas Elite looked great when we saw them uh, in the South Regional. It's easy to forget uh, how good that team is until you see them barking out defense uh, at the, the second the ball is tipped and diving all over the court within a minute and a half of the game starting. Uh, but Jake, Jake, your thoughts on this matchup between Louisiana United and Overseas Elite? It seems like a very similar matchup. You know, the Louisiana United is a very similar conglomerate of guys like Overseas Elite where you basically have a lot of high-level overseas pros, guys playing uh, basketball champions league, Euro Cup, maybe even a little Euro League action, all combining forces uh, granted, a lot of those guys are from the Louisiana area, so there's a little more familiarity growing up as opposed to these some of these overseas elite guys. Um, but it's, it's a very talented group of guys, and even though I wasn't in Richmond that weekend, I was able to follow those games closely. And uh, Akil Mitchell is proving himself to be one of TBT's premier big men. Uh, even in his first year, a former big man from University of Virginia, had a double-double against Showtime, uh, really put them away easily, uh, you know, 12 points, 11 boards. You also have... Ike Udano, who came over from, uh, you know, the former league team Rondo squad, who's played in CBT in the past, I gave them 10-7 uh, as well. And the, the guy was obviously going to be the X factor for them, and we'll, we'll probably see him going, you know, one-on-one against Eric McCollum and DJ Kennedy a little bit. Is Bo McCaleb, who kind of cruised through that weekend without really – did a little damage more so on, on in the uh, the Sunday game. He had 14 points in just 13 minutes, but got in late Saturday morning, I should say, maybe late Friday night, however you want to call it, kind of sat out that Saturday game, used him when need be, and Sunday they turned him loose just a little bit more. I'm excited to see him go, you know, full gung-ho here in this game against Overseas Elite, playing, you know, 25, 30, 30 plus minutes here uh, to see if he can knock him off, and I think that he's talented enough uh, to do so. One of Europe's premier guards, played in the NBA a little bit for his hometown team, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. Going to be a, a matchup of some very elite guards, including Brian Allen as well from Louisiana United, who played in basketball Champions League, another guy who can can light up the scoreboard. So it's guards versus guards here for sure. Josh, Brian Allen 
I kept sit, sitting there the whole weekend saying, where do I know this guy from? Because he looked so familiar to me when he was playing on the court. And I think I realized recently that it's just because he looks so comfortable. You know, there was nothing about that format that seemed to be uh, daunting to him in any way. I was so impressed with the way that he played. He had control of the game. And he's playing on a team with a Bo McCaleb, who by all, all accounts is, is really a legend overseas. And he's a guy that a lot of young Americans have kind of looked to as a, as a guy that they can follow in his footsteps with some of the things that he's done uh, internationally. But this Louisiana United team could be the team that knocks off overseas elite. I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but this is a tremendously talented team and one that could really challenge overseas elite. Oh yeah, Dan, I can attest that you, you thought you saw um, Byron Allen before you literally asked him, where have I seen you before? Uh, and he said, I don't know, but uh, yeah, you're right, Dan. He looked great uh, on that, on the court. Uh, and I, I thought Jake hit the nail on the head. I mean, Bo McCaleb played, you know, small potato minutes for them because it came in kind of later and he finished a long year. He's played um, quite a few years overseas now. So I can definitely understand kind of leg and rest that opening weekend. Um, we saw a couple other teams I thought do that as well with other players, which I think is an interesting, interesting thing that teams are doing, kind of resting their horses a little bit early on, you know, um, maybe a little bit with Kyle Fogg. We saw that, although Fogg played a little more than I expected him to. Um, but either way, I think that's an interesting strategy. But yeah, I thought Jake hit the nail on the head. I mean, when they have Bo McCaleb actually going this weekend, that's going to be a scary team. I mean, I'm still going to go if we want to get to the prediction with overseas elite winning the game. But I think like you mentioned, Dan, I think that's going to literally come to the last possession or two in the Elam ending. Jake, what do you think? Who's going to win this one? I'm going to take overseas elite. I'm not in the business of picking against a team that's never lost in TBT before, and I don't plan on starting now. Uh, I like they, like Josh said, this is going to be their toughest test to date. And it seemed like they had a couple scares. I know Monarch Nation kept things closed for a little while, but overseas elite seemed to have things on cruise control for about 95% of the game. I'm interested to see if this one gets close, who really takes over the game for overseas elite. We haven't really seen that yet this year, uh, maybe because everyone is just kind of, you know, playing at 75, 80%. Uh, is it DJ Kennedy? Is it going to be Eric McCollum? Is it going to be, you know, former TVT MVP, Kyle Fogg? Luckily, they have, you know, a lot of guys that they can go to can, can be their number one options if some other guys are cold. But other than the one game where Justin Burrell was 10 of 10 and put up 24 and 10, I haven't really seen any of those guys have great standout performances yet. So if, if that one comes down to, you know, a final shot, I'm intrigued to see who's going to be the one to take that with them. I will say, I think overseas elite is impossible to pick against until you see them lose. It just is, you, you can't believe that it's going to happen. So I'll have to go with them, but I will say this, Louisiana United is really excited about getting Paul Carter back and having a fully healthy Corey Dixon uh, this weekend, uh, or this week, I should say on Thursday, the 26th against overseas elite. This game is going to be unbelievable. I can't believe it's even around a 16 matchup. It seems like it should be a, a game that happens in the finals, but in any event, um, that's going to be the nine o'clock game on ESPN two. Hey Dan, on, I heard uh, yes. through the sorry to cut you off, but I heard through the rumor mill that uh, Overseas Elite was very close to inking Michael Beasley. Do you have any more info on uh, on the deal that could have been? <laughs> I don't want to reveal any sources on that, but I heard that it, I'm not even joking when I say this that it came down to the Lakers or Overseas Elite. So obviously LeBron Incredible. has a little bit more pull than some of these guys on Overseas Elite, but that would have just broken. I think everybody's head. I don't know anybody that follows TBT that would not have been blown away if that had happened, but it could have, and so. We'll see. But in any event, uh, that's the 9 o'clock game, Thursday the 26th on ESPN2. Now, on Friday night, guys, for the first time ever, along with Puma, we are going to do a dunk contest on Friday night. That will finish up on ESPN2 just before 
our games start at 7 p.m. Uh, that dunk contest is going to be interesting. We're going to do it a little bit differently than other people have done it in the past. And it's going to conclude in the championship round with one contestant having to posterize or dunk over the other guy. Guys, what do you think about this dunk contest? And what, what, what are your thoughts on this? It's going to be great, Dan. I'm, I, was, I wasn't like so into it right off the bat, but I'm so into it now. This might be my favorite part of the weekend. A, we have a great field, um, which I'm sure we'll run down. Um, and just the fact that what, the championship's going to come down to a, a guy dunking over another guy. I mean, where do you get that? You don't get that in the NBA. You don't get that in the college dunk contest. You don't get it in the Lithuanian dunk contest. That's amazing. Um, I, I don't think we can reveal the judges yet, but we have an amazing cast of judges that are going to be uh, here uh, you know, ranking these guys and deciding, you know, who gets what score. So um, it, it's going to be amazing. I already have in my head who I think is going to win. I don't know. Can we say the names, Dan? Yeah, let's go through it. I'll go through the lineup. And then uh, I want to hear Jake's thoughts on this. So we've got basically five TB tiers is the plan. And one person will be selected through social media by Puma. We're not going to reveal who that is yet, although they have made the selection. So the TB tiers are going to be LD Williams from Wake the Nation, Stefan Moody from Armored Athlete, Travis Leslie from Fort Wayne Champs, Marcus Lewis from Illinois, BC, and Derek Cook Jr. from Team Fredette. Now, assuming that that lineup does not change, that's going to be the five TPTers, and then you'll have one person selected through social media by Puma. Uh, the person they selected, I'll tell you this, is a pretty amazing dunker and has a, a very good history of dunking. Um, but Jake, your thoughts on this on this dunk contest and those guys that we have lined up? What a cool new innovation from, from TBT and Puma Hoops this year to come together and, and- bring this dunk contest to fruition for the, the first time. And hopefully we kind of get like a little all-star weekend going with TBT. We got a three-point shootout maybe next year, an all-star yeah. game. You see a Puma hoops. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, I feel like, I feel like people dig the dunk more than the three. Am I wrong about that? I'd love a three. Uh, I think, I think the game has shifted a little bit. I think we're, uh, we're all thinking about efficiency these days. So I, I think that, you know, people like seeing the, the three-point shoot, uh, shootouts and, Honestly, a lot of sharpshooters in TBT. You know, who wouldn't want to see Kyle Fogg and Dusty Hannes going at it? And maybe you, uh, you can you can do it in a way that those guys have to go at it. You know, at the same time. You know, maybe whoever gets the ball racks first. You know, that would be interesting. Something we can talk about uh, a little bit during the off season. But to get you know focus a little more on this field, I think it's it's great. There's a lot of guys who've been able to show off their skills. You know, throughout you know in college basketball through TBT this year, some high flyers. And I think that the the posterized dunk at the end is is something that's so unique and, again, you know, gives TBT kind of a leg up on, on basketball competition in terms of being an innovator in the basketball world. I mean, I think one of the – as a, a young millennial who spends a decent amount of time perusing social media feeds, I've noticed that the one of the new cool basketball trends on social media is people dunking each other, on each other and recording it and posting it on Instagram and Twitter. And I think the fact that we're sort of bringing that backyard friend, you know, one-on-one mentality – to a, a court at Georgia State in front of thousands of people being broadcast live on ESPN for $40,000 is pretty sweet. So I'm looking forward to see, hey, who, who those guys are. And if it ends up being a guard on a big man, you know, if it's Stefan Moody versus Derek Cook, how does that one play out? I, yeah. I, I really, uh, I'm yeah. really looking forward to that. I just imagine, I try to imagine the little guy going up to block the big guy scenario. And if he ever did it, I think the house would just come down. Josh, yeah. you know, the posterized thing is going to be the best. So the idea is that they have to stand, I believe it's going to be the women's restricted area uh, on the court. Now, I don't want to be too far out. You have to jump straight up and block the shot the dunk is it's coming in and if you block it the person that is dunking gets zero points if you foul they get to do it again but the second time you can't jump i mean it just seems like it's going to be a blast to watch this take takes place and if nothing else it's something we've never seen before uh, in a dunk contest so it should be a lot of fun 
Yeah, yeah. Do, do we want to make our predictions for the uh, contest? I'm gonna pick. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go first in this one. I think Travis Leslie is gonna is gonna win the dunk contest. That's just a. I don't know why I think that. I just have a really good feeling about Travis Leslie. Josh. Yeah, I'm going to go L.D. Williams, oh, maybe because we hung out like all weekend in Columbus. So I just like him as a person. Uh, I like all of them, but we're like we're like friends now. So uh, I'm just going to go with, with L.D. Jake. You are both sadly incorrect. Uh, this, the winner of this year's dunk contest is going to be Stefan Moody. Uh, very much looking for I'm actually currently watching highlights of him dunking uh, right now. Won the dunk contest in Greece this past year. So he's, he's you know, on a hot streak right now. Spoke to him a little bit about it in Brooklyn. He wasn't revealing too many secrets, but he basically said, go on YouTube and see what I can do. Uh, <laughs> that'll give you a hint of, of what's to come this weekend in Atlanta. Uh, I'm riding with Stefan. Everyone loves seeing the small guy dunk. Uh, you know, not to, to rehash some some bad memories as a Sixers fan, but Andre Godala lost the NBA dunk contest to Nate Robinson because Nate Robinson is like 5'6 and dunked over someone who's even smaller than him in Spud Webb. So people like to tend to favor the smaller guy, I think Stefan's going to put on a show, and uh, if he ends up if he ends up lined up with Derek Cook, I think he's going to handle him. And I think the most impressive thing about Stefan and, and how high he jumps is the fact that he wears the baggiest shorts I've ever seen, and that's got to affect your aerodynamics. And the fact that he's able to, you know, he's still got a forty plus inch vertical despite wearing shorts like that is uh, he's okay in my book. You know, he uh, I was texting these guys to find out their shoe sizes. This is a little anecdote about Stefan Moody. And he said, I asked him his shoe size, and he says, swag, I wear a 10, and to hoop, I wear a 10 and a half. <laughs> That's all you need to know about Stefan Moody. I just thought that was awesome. I was like, he's got, two different, he's got two different shoe sizes. When he's hanging out, he likes to be a little bit tighter, and when he, when he hoops, he likes to have a little, bit, you know, a little bit of play in the shoe. I just thought that was fantastic. The man's uh, all business. Yeah, and then when I told him I was going to send him a couple of things, he goes, his response was, smooth. <laughs> all right, I'm changing my prediction. <laughs> you know what? I might too. I mean, this guy, he might there might be something to this. So that's gonna take place on Friday night before the Midwest uh regional game for the round of 16. It's gonna finish up on ESPN two with that posterized dunk. Puma's got big plans uh if this thing goes off the way that we think it's going to for that posterizing uh portion of the dunk contest. So be on the lookout, ESPN2. That's going to lead into the first game on uh, Friday night, which is going to be Team Fredette against the Fort Wayne Champs. The Fort Wayne Champs are the sixth seed. Team Fredette is the two seed. Uh, Team Fredette's made a couple of great additions, or actually one big addition in Jack Hooley. And the Fort Wayne Champs, uh, I don't think they really need much. They looked fantastic this weekend. Uh, Josh, and uh, I should say, Jake, uh, you were Josh. Let me start that over. Josh, you were in Columbus last weekend. How did, uh, how did these two teams look to you? Yeah, well, I have to start off because you guys are going to have to make a uh, apology to one team. I have to make an apology to Jimmer Fredette, who was amazing over the weekend. He dominated TBT, started off a little bit slow on uh, Saturday, and I was getting ready to text you and Jake. I told you so, I told you so. And then he dominated the second half, dominated the game on uh, Sunday. Jimmer looked awesome. He can still get to the hole. Um, he's as good a shooter as ever. Um, and you can kind of – what I thought was most impressive is you could see guys were even – maybe overcompensating a little bit because, you know, they wanted to be the one to strip Jimmer Fredette and get the, get a dunker um, to, you know, kind of expose him on defense. And uh, he wasn't rattled at all. I actually asked him about the game about, you know, after the game about people being like, Hey, you know, he played in China. Is he too soft now to play in TBT where it's all Americans? And he said, 
he said he heard all the talk about that and just said they're you know they're scrappy as ever in China. So he was ready for it. He looked great. Um, that team for that team is really good. Brandon Davies, after having a little bit of a down year in TBT last year when they got bounced early on, he looked amazing for them. Really controlled the paint. Little Jordan Crawford had that play against a guard smaller than him for like the first time ever in his life when they played the Jackson Tennessee underdogs. He looked amazing. Can stroke the ball from three. Um, it just a really good for that team. Uh, I think they. Um, will ultimately beat Fort Wayne, who looked really good as well. Julie Magum- uh, Mavunga, excuse me, looked really good. I know Gordon Hayward was watching him. They're friends from back in Indianapolis. So, um, you know, I guess you get a little bit of brownie points for that if you're friends with Gordon Hayward. Um, and, and Fort Wayne, what strikes me with them is they just play the ultimate team game. Trey McKinney-Jones is kind of the leader on that team, but they run the offense every time down the floor. There's no, um, you know, it's no kind of like street ball or, or improvising. They run their offense every time down the floor. They have a really good coach, and um, it, it's been proving them well. And I think, uh, you know, they have that ultimate team concept, but I think for that ends up coming away with the win off a, a huge performance by Jimmer. Yeah, we were watching uh, Jake from a distance, obviously, what, what Jimmer was up to last weekend. And it seemed like every time I turned around and turned the TV on, he was draining him from like half court. I mean, <laughs> it was unbelievable. And he really did put on a show. And I'm sure he had a lot of fun, um, you know, in speaking with his brother over the last couple of days. It does sound like Jimmer's really enjoying the run through TBT. And I think that they look like they're poised to make it uh, go even deeper. Uh, obviously, the Fort Wayne champs have a ton of guys with really high level professional experience. And you mentioned Trey McKinney Jones, who in fact played in the NBA this year uh, for the Pelicans, I believe, jo- uh, Jake, am I right about that? Pacers. He was correct on the Pacers. Oh, the Pacers. Okay. And- well, in any event, I knew it started with a P you know, that, that, that sound was in my head someplace, but in any event, um, the Fort Wayne champs looked really great. And I, I think this is going to be a very, very good game. Um, obviously, you know, Jimmer is a huge X factor here, but one thing that Seth Greenberg had said earlier in the week was that he's hearing from some NBA folks about, Brandon Davies possibly being back on, on NBA radars, Jake. For sure. I mean, this is a guy who was in the NBA for several years with the Sixers and the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, went over to Europe playing in EuroLeague last year and won a title, won multiple titles uh, with the Lithuanian team that he was with, uh, Zalgiris. Uh, he was the finals MVP, LKL League champion. They won a, another cup uh, as well, the King Mindaugas Cup, which I'm not sure who Mindaugas is, but he must be important enough to get a cup name after him. That's a really solid team, and you, and you add a guy like Jack Cooley, uh, who's a, a played the most. I believe it's the he set the record for most summer leagues ever. He's tied the record uh, six years in a row. We'll, we'll count add this to his tally. We'll make it seven now. Uh, Jack Cooley, another guy who's playing in the NBA this year, which I think brings our total of, of guys who are on TBT rosters that have played in the NBA this past season close to double digits at this point. Uh, so very excited to see him there, and you, you add Devin Williams back as well. Uh, from West Virginia, who wasn't able to make it to the first weekend and will now be with the team in Atlanta, really solidifying that front line uh, against a, a Fort Wayne team that doesn't have as much size on the inside. Unless you guys forget, uh, Julian Mavunga was a member of Team for Debt last year. So there might be some secret trading, uh, you know, going on between the, the guys on Fort Wayne, you know, a little exposing of uh, who can do what. It's a lot of the same guys that were on Team for Debt last year that are still on the team this year. Uh, so, you know, it could help them in terms of game planning and knowing what to do there. Dan, you talk about how, you know, how Jimmer played it seemed like every time you were turning on the TV, he was shooting from three. It was either that or he was at the free throw line. 22 of 22 in the free throw line for the weekend. I believe it's 100% if you do the math. Uh, very impressive weekend for him getting into the lane, finishing through contact, getting to the line, making those free throws count. He looked awesome, as you would expect. I'm sure it's going to, you know, you put him again on national TV. 
in, in a high-level game where you're eking you know, closer to $2 million. I imagine that's going to catch the eyes of some NBA executives. And you sprinkle in some other important guys as well. Rashad James, you know, quietly one of the more important players on that team, averaged 15 and a half points. Hit some big shots for them down the stretch uh, to, to open up the lead against Peoria. Uh, has done a good job, and Jeff Ledbetter as well can get hot at any point. Putting him in a backcourt with Shimmer uh, is a good look as well. I, I think that uh, I think that Fredette and, and Fort Wayne are two very good teams, two teams that belong there, and uh, I believe I'm going to give the edge to Jimmer's team. I, I think that Jimmer, Jimmer's team could be the team of destiny this year. I think adding him uh, to the fold really just changes not only the dynamic of that team, but the dynamic of the tournament as well, and, and I like them to beat Fort Wayne in a close one. Josh, who do you predict? Yeah, I'm going to go for that as well. Uh, I think, you know, pending who I pick for the next game, that Midwest Championship game, as they all are, is going to be an epic game. But yeah, I'm going to go with Fredette. I think Fredette's going to pull it out too. I just think Jimmer's such an X factor here. And if you get him open late, it seems like he's going to drain it. You know, it's just, I don't know. He's got that that knack. And um, I think he thrives in this kind of a format with the spotlight on him. And I think he's enjoying being back here. I will say TJ Fredette has done a great job of doing the play recruiting on this team. I mean, the roster itself is fantastic. Um, not to be outdone, Garrett Martz, four-time TPT GM, has really done a fantastic job getting these guys committed, getting them to play, as uh, Josh, you were saying, really team-oriented basketball. So we should see some fantastic stuff on Friday night. That's, again, the 7, 7 p.m. Eastern time game, live from Atlanta on ESPN2. Now, guys, following this game at 9 p.m. is one of the, I think, most intriguing third-round mashups in TBT history, partly because of who's going to be there and partly because of who's not going to be there. We have the number one-seeded Scarlet and Gray against the number 12-seeded primetime players. The primetime players are Josh Brown's favorite team. I think Let's that's go! Not, <laughs> I don't think that's going out on a limb, Josh, to say that. Uh, so the primetime players are from North Carolina. They are a four-year TBT participant. Uh, they made it to the Super 16 in 2015, have not been back there since. But this is a team that is without stars. These guys, Josh, and I'll let you tell the whole story, but they basically finished up on Sunday night and they had to drive to Charlotte to go to work the next day um, in uh, the Midwest Regional uh, versus Scarlet and Gray, which is probably on paper one of the most talented teams in TBT this year. Uh, again, the two notes about who's not going to be there for them, Jared Sullinger is getting married on Saturday and will not be there for the game on Friday night, which is totally understandable, uh, but also not going to be there uh, is a big Byron Mullins who, you know, mysteriously is not on the team now. So Josh, your thoughts on this matchup between your favorite team, the primetime players and what could be the entire state of Ohio's favorite team, the Scarlet and gray. Well, first of all, Dan, thank you for saying that. So now I don't have to be like secret about rooting for prime time. I'm rooting for the prime time players to win TBT. What a team Chris Thomas has put together. I think, you know, they've been injured the last couple of years. They haven't had a full team. We saw what they did in 2015. Granted, the field wasn't as strong as it is right now, but they have their whole team together. They're playing good ball. Like you said, Dan, all these guys except big Jerron Presley play um, or do not play professionally. Javon did play professionally this year, bounced between a couple of different teams. But yeah, um, you know, they, they drove up from from North Carolina up to Columbus. They got home at about 3 a.m. Um, one of their guys, Chris Moore, had to go back to being um, to work his job as a roofer. Uh, Terrell Smith, who is averaging the fifth most points out of anyone in the Super 16, had to come back to go work for Verizon Wireless. 
Um, I accidentally said T-Mobile, I think, on a different audio thing. It's Verizon Wireless he has to work for. Um, <laughs> yeah, give, give that credit where it's due, for sure. Yeah, exactly. And a couple of others. Um, I think one's a PE teacher, one's a truck driver, I believe. So that's the kind of team you're getting with primetime. They're scrappy. Uh, they shoot the three ball well. And Terrell Smith is having an unbelievable um, TBT stretch. He's been good for them every year, but he is unbelievable for this um for this primetime team. And, you know, Sullinger's not going to be there. Odin, I've heard from, or Evan Turner told me, you can listen to the audio um, on our Twitter feed if you want. He told me Greg Odin is still a very good player, but is only going to be able to play about eight minutes a half for the Scarlet and Gray team. So without him, without Sullinger, Dan, I believe Taylor Battle's also getting married. Um, I'm kidding. No, I think Taylor's getting married this weekend. So I believe he won't be there. I could be wrong, but I believe it's this weekend he won't be there. So without all them, you have the three-point shooting primetime players team. All of a sudden, you know, they get hot early and primetime's running away with that game. This is going to be unbelievable. I mean, I didn't realize that Taylor Battle was a potential scratch. I'm going to have to talk to Scooney and find out what the inside story is on that. They did pick up Courtney Pegram, so maybe that helps offset a little bit of that ball handling duty from Aaron Kraft. Uh, but even without uh, Jared Sollinger, Jake, I think you'd have to consider Scarlett and Gray the favorite in this game, right? No doubt. I mean, you're basically, for a weekend, you're subbing out Jared Sollinger for Greg Oden. Granted, Greg Oden hasn't played publicly in a long time, but behind closed doors, it seems like he's still able to get on the court and play at a very high level with these guys. Uh, and that's not a bad trade-off. So I think that, you know, even if Greg is only playing 15, 16 minutes a game and he's playing in, you know, four-minute spurts, that's, that's kind of all you need for him to get on the court and, you know, kind of impose his will down low. Uh, this is not a very big, big primetime team, uh, you know, pretty undersized. And they can counter those four-minute stretches with Greg Oden by, you know, using their, their lack of size to their advantage, getting up and down the court, trying to get some, you know, five on three, five on four advantages, uh, you know, and, and forcing Odin to try and get out and run with them for, you know, whatever he can. It's, I think everyone is going to be intrigued to see how much Greg has left in the, the tank, how effective he can be, and uh, whether or not this team of, of guys who work nine to five can be the team of, of professionals that play, you know, right outside of the NBA in China, in EuroLeague, in EuroCup. Uh, Aaron Kraft just got promoted to playing on a team that's going to be in Euro League this year. Solinger, he continues to play like this if he gets another opportunity to play in TBT. Looks like he's in line for another NBA deal. It's a very impressive team, but you, you lose a guy like Taylor Battle, who frankly I think has been an X factor for that team, especially in their first game. Uh, that's a tough loss to handle as well. And granted, they have some other guards and a lot of guys that can shoot on that team, and maybe Courtney Pickram will step up as, as another uh, honorary Buckeye, but some very some very key guys missing for that team and should certainly make that game a little bit more interesting, but I don't think those losses are enough for Scarlett and Gray to be defeated in this one. Isn't this game what kind of TBT is all about? I mean, you have literally yeah. maybe the most talented team in TBT besides overseas elite because you got to give them the talent edge-wise, but 1A in terms of most talented teams against that team of nine to five guys who just beat two teams full of professionals. I mean, I think Dan and Jake, if you look at this game, I mean, if you want to see what TBT is all about, watch this game, because I think this is exactly what we were going for with TBT. Yeah. Josh, you had an awesome stat. It was like of the top five scorers in TBT this year, four have played in the NDA and one works for 
Verizon? <laughs> yes, five, five of the top six are, have played in the NBA and legitimate NBA experience. And the next one uh, is at work right now at Verizon getting ready to come here. I love it. I love it. And I think you're right. This is exactly what TPT is all about. Chris Thomas is the most excited guy. This is a guy who's a huge sports fan to the extent that he goes up to the Pro Football Hall of Fame every year for the, the induction ceremony in July. Uh, you know, he's just a great, a great example of what you can do if you put together the right guys and you're prepared, you show up. They had every player on the roster was there and they drove to Columbus, Ohio to play. So it's really going to be fantastic to see uh, this matchup. This is the nine o'clock game. It's going to air on the main network on ESPN, which I, I can't imagine that Chris Thomas has ever been on ESPN before that any of these guys have played on ESPN on the main network, at least uh, on primetime players. So that's the nine o'clock game. That'll close out the Friday night action on the 27th. All right, let's look forward to that one. The next, oh, we, I didn't pick, I guess we didn't pick on this one. Josh, I know you're going with primetime, right? I got to roll with primetime. Right. Uh, you're playing with house money at this point because I think jo- Jake and I both said that they were going to lose to Bradley in the first round. Obviously, you correctly picked that one and you predicted them to, you predicted them to advance. So, you know, maybe we should defer to you when it comes to the Midwest. <laughs> uh, Jake, your thoughts on this one? I will take Scarlett and Gray, but, you know, Chris Thomas may not have played on ESPN before, but I'm sure that, you know, a lot of people from Verizon Wireless will probably be watching that (laughs) one. So if Verizon Wireless would like to slide that team a uh, a little sponsorship deal, I don't think anyone would be opposed to that. If that that guy won that into the universe and seeing what comes back to us. You know how Home Depot does those things in the Olympics where they show you the guy that, you know, was working in the glass cutting area and now is doing the decathlon or whatever. Like, how does Verizon not build an entire campaign around him if primetime wins TPT? I mean, that just seems like a complete no-brainer, right? You kind of have to right now. They made the Super yeah. 16. You won two games. But if they win, if they beat Ohio State, that guy needs some sort of deal with Verizon. Remember how Jared Solander last year had the unemployed T-shirt? I think uh, he needs a shirt that says employed by Verizon. Try, try and get that out there. Put that on social media. We'll see what comes back. I, I can't see how Verizon would say no. That'd be great. All right. So that closes out Friday night on the 27th. Now on Saturday, we've got a marathon day. We've got four games. Uh, the first three of which are going to air on the main network on ESPN, the last of which which is going to be on ESPNU. Now, the first game of the day starts at 11 a.m. This is a Northeast regional game in the third round. It's the third-seeded Golden Eagles of Marquette, who I feel like in the time since they played the Big East pod, everybody has forgotten about this team. The Golden Eagles of Marquette, the number three seed, against what probably should be the Cinderella story of TBT 2018, uh, but for primetime. The number 15 seed, Talladega Knights, uh, featuring Ray Chang, shooting guard, GM, finally advancing through the regional rounds, albeit with a completely new roster. So the Marquette alumni team, guys, you know, everybody forgets, I think now, because it it was almost a month ago, but they cruised through that Big East pod and really looked by far to be the class of those four teams that were playing in that section. Uh, Talladega Knights had to play a play-in game on last Friday night up in Brooklyn. Then they had to beat the number two seeded Sicklerville, HBC Sicklerville, one of the most talented rosters in TBT anywhere this year. And then on 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 um Sunday they had to beat the seven seeded team Arkansas who really looked great the day before and who uh Talladega ultimately manhandled. So this is going to be a really tough game to call if only because of the huge layoff for Golden Eagles and the momentum that Talladega Knights is riding. Jake, your thoughts. Yeah, Dan, I believe the last time the Golden Eagles played was TBT 2017. I mean, it, it's been a, it's been an extremely long layoff for them. And I imagine they've gotten together uh, at, at Marquette and you know, at the Al and have put some practices together and made sure that they're still in game shape and ready to go. But uh, I, I think we've seen in other sports as well, you know, how these long layoffs typically don't work out too well for those teams. And it's the teams that have played, 
you know, in short relativity, uh, you know, how, how that really helps their squad. And we're talking about a Talladega team that played three games in three days. Uh, you know, obviously the Golden Eagles have, have a solid squad. Frankly, I'm not sure if it's the best squad they've ever put together in CBT, but nonetheless, it is a really good team led by Jamil Wilson, who should be in the NBA, uh, you know, right now. Frankly, I think that he's one of those guys that, you know, continues to come out here and prove himself, show his range, his size. I don't ever remember Jamil Wilson being this tall, but nonetheless, he's like a true 6'10", and he can play the three if you needed him to. can also, in a, in a CBT set, he can actually really play the five for you. Uh, you know, where you can go out, you can go five out with this team and really make things difficult. Jamil is an awesome player and a great guy to build your team around. And you sprinkle in Jarrell McNeil, who played your league last year, Maurice Acker, who was 7 of 10 from three, uh, to help defeat Seton Hall almost single-handedly uh, in that Sunday game to help them win the Big East pod. Those are going to be the big three for those guys. And when you look at X-Factor for the Gold Eagles, it's what can the elder statesman on that team do? What can Travis Diener do for you? What can Jake Thomas do for you in terms of, of shooting and stretching the floor? Uh, you know, those are going to be guys that you probably wouldn't look to for as much, uh, you know, scoring and shooting and, and ball handling uh, activity. But nonetheless, those are guys that are going to need to play a big role. And I think that they'll they'll especially look to Diener uh, to step up and, and continue to play some big minutes for them. But, you know, across you look at across the way to, to Talladega Knights and man, how did the TBT uh, selection committee miss that one? Huh? Like that, you know, the lowest seeded team to ever make the uh, the Super 16 and. I think it's interesting, and I've thought about this, you know, since last weekend, and I've tried to to figure out what is so different about this team than previous iterations. Uh, obviously, it's a different Talladega Knights squad, but nonetheless, a lot of these guys have played in CBT in the past. Ramon Moore played on the, the Temple team for many years. The Gibbons brothers have played with the Broad Street Ballers last year. Uh, Novar Gadsden was on the, the Riders team. I mean, I could go on and on. And it, what they've, they've put together this year has been impressive, and I think that the real – key to that team has been Franz Massonade and adding him to that group of guys. I mean, automatically, and I think I've said this on a previous TBT pod, not to, to toot my own horn here, but I think that he is a top 10 guard in TBT. And I think that, you know, he played on the Drexel team in TBT in the past, the Blue and Gold Club. He is awesome. Like a, a fantastic scorer, automatic from deep, can move the ball, but really can just take over a game with the scoring and be super present. Novar Gadsden as well, quietly, really pushing himself for MVP contention in TBT this year if his team is able to string together a couple more games. 12 of 16, 3 of 5 from 3 and 30 points against Team Arkansas. I mean, they have blown everyone out of the water, Dan. It's been super impressive. And, I mean, look at guys like Shannon Gibbons. Shannon Gibbons, no offense to him, couldn't get off the bench for the Broad Street Ballers team last year. He's playing a, a vital role for this team. Had two huge threes and nine points in that game as well as four, uh, excuse me, Ramon and four assists. Uh, Shannon only had nine points. Uh, and two rebounds to help beat Team Arkansas in just 16 minutes of action. Getting guys like that to help contribute for you off the bench is humongous. And, and they just seem to be gelling and enjoying themselves right now. And I wish Ray Chang had his Rudy moment in hitting that corner three uh, to beat Arkansas with the Elam ending. That would have been something that, that needed a documentary on its own. But this is a team that's having a lot of fun and riding a wave of momentum into a game where, you know, they're playing a team that hasn't played in over a month. And I, I think that there's a very legitimate chance that, you know, it's time to stop picking against them and let them be seen for what they are as, they, as a legitimate contender for the Northeast title. Yeah, it just seems like they're playing with such confidence right now. Everybody has a role that they're filling on that team. Tony Paris is doing a fantastic job of getting the right guys on the court at the right time to complement each other. It really has been impressive to see. And you're right. I mean, we had the first instance of sort of the human victory cigar with Ray Chang 
getting on the court and they were trying to set him up for that game winner in the Catch corner. Catch the damn ball, Ray. Come on, man. <laughs> and he dropped it and went out of bounds. And there was this <laughs> massive groan from the crowd of, oh, man, because they wanted to see it happen. But, you know, you never know. I mean, Ray could get on the court with another blowout. I mean, it's, nothing would surprise me with this team right now. Honestly, beating that two-seed Cicleville, even with them missing some of the guys that they were missing, there were still four current EuroLeague players on the court at all times for that Cicleville team. And so for them to have beaten them the way that they did shows that not only are they playing with a lot of heart and determination, but they're playing with a ton of confidence, Josh. Yeah, I mean, I thought Jake did a great job running down everyone on both of these teams who we're going to see. But, you know, when you talk about just like like you were talking about, Dan, those intangibles, I mean, I only saw a little bit of the Talladega games, but I think you guys said it right. It just seemed like they were kind of, I want to say playing with nothing to lose because they were playing a disciplined game. But um, I don't know. You could just get the sense they were just having like fun playing the game together. They gelled really well. I mean, these are all guys who kind of know each other. So um, yeah, I, I think Sick- or I think Sickler, I think Talladega. Um, they're kind of playing with house money right now, but they they aren't in a way too because they legitimately have enough talent to win the Northeast title. I mean, um, Jake ran down all the accolades on this team, so I think this is going to be one of the more fascinating games we've had or that we will have coming up uh, this weekend. And um, I guess I'm known as the upset guy here, so I'll go with Talladega. Jake. I, I should probably just stop t- picking against them, and I think I'm going to take Talladega. You know, I was really looking forward to the Golden Eagles potentially adding Devontae Gardner and Dwight Bikes, and, and them not adding either one of those guys. And I mean, Devontae Gardner was on the, the TBT All-First team last year. Uh, you know, missing those two big pieces that could really take some of the – the scoring load off of a guy like Jamil Wilson, uh, I think it hurts them, and I'm I'm just gonna ride with the the Knights. I'm gonna I'm gonna ride the wave and uh, enjoy Ray, Ch- Ray Chang. Uh, you know, hopefully in the uh, in the Elite Eight. Yeah, every bit of sort of rational observation for me says not to pick Talladega, but I think I have to. It just seems like there's something there's something going on here, and I'm worried about that layoff for the Marquette team. So, either way, it can be a great game. That's the 11 a.m. game on Saturday, the 27th. That one's on the main network on ESPN. Josh is going to rearrange his uh, dishware that he has there in the background. And we're going to move on now <laughs> to the one o'clock game, uh, which features the number one seed in the Northeast region, Bayheim's Army, against the number four seed, Armored Athlete. Both of these teams played two of the most hard fought and down to the wire games uh, of the Northeast Regional in their second round matchups uh, last week. Uh, in Brooklyn. Both teams look fantastic. There was a lot of fans obviously rooting, uh, as always, uh, for Bayheim's Army. Armored Athlete uh, really has a very, very talented roster that plays well as a team uh, and has so much shooting on the outside. It really looked like to me, Jake, uh, when we were watching uh, the Bayheim's Army game against Iona, is that it was the lack of consistent outside shooting from Iona really kind of doomed them against that zone. Uh, whereas when you look at Armored Athlete and you were going to try to maybe select a team in TBT that would be best suited to try to defeat that zone with outside shooting, you'd almost have to pick Armored Athlete. 100%. They've done a really good job of kind of not only keeping some of the same core, but retooling and rebuilding and adding some more shot makers to that team that they may not have had. Last year, Granite Garrett Sim and Jordan Holes can really step outside and shoot the ball. But you put Marcus Stewart in the mix. Tariko White, who was with the Ole Miss team last year in TBT, old hottie toddy, had a good run, but almost looks reborn with this Armored Athlete team. Has put together Two very impressive games over that first weekend. And then you continue to have the strong inside presence of Julian Gamble. 19 points, 12 rebounds, five blocks against Gale Nation. Wow. And uh, every time he, he has a block, trust me, he's going to let you hear it and know about it. So this is a very formidable team. 
with with a, with a deep bench too. And frankly, sometimes they don't even go to it. I think what head coach Brian Ross has really done a good job of is, you know, kind of feeling out the game and, and knowing who's hot and who isn't and kind of riding those guys. They went with an eight or nine man rotation in the first game. In the second game, they kind of locked in on, on five guys and just rode them. I mean, outside of, of five players, you know, they had guys played 20, 30 minutes. Other than that, they didn't have anyone who played more than nine minutes in that game. And I think it's having that sort of depth and versatility uh, really helps you in, you know, being able to switch up some lineups. And Armored Athlete is a team that can present you two big men. You can go Gamble and Holloway uh, at the, on the floor at the same time. Or you can go with four guards, essentially. Or you add Demetrius Conger in the mix is more of a stretch forward, forward type. Uh, if he ends up getting hot, I, I think that they have a lot of potent uh, lineup combinations. And then you add a guy like Dominique Sutton to the mix as well, who's a late ad for this team, uh, joining them in the Super 16, who has played in TBT in the past. Another guy, again, who's a strong physical guard who can step out and shoot the ball a little bit as well. They have all the pieces in place to potentially knock off Bayheim's Army. Bayheim's Army continues to kind of get through the mix no matter how tough the test is for them. You know, they, this is the second year in a row they've played Team Fancy. And, uh, you know, despite that being more of a you know, knock them down, grind it out type battle, continue to get the job done behind uh, returning Demetrius Nichols as well as John Gillen, who looks like he's on a mission this year. So, yeah, uh, gotta think, be one of the yeah. By the way, I think I, I realize now I, I misspoke. It wasn't Iona. It was Fancy that had the lack of outside consistent shooting against Bayheim's Army. Um, but you just mentioned him, Jake, and I wanted to get your further thoughts on this because John Gillen, to me, looked like a brand new player this year. He looked like far more confident in his outside shot, even going to the rim. Everything he did seemed to turn to gold this past weekend. I thought last year, John Gillen is obviously a guy who only played one year at Syracuse. He was at Colorado State, and I believe one more school before that. Looked kind of a little more wide-eyed last year playing in TBT for the first time. Deferred to some of the, the TBT veterans in Dorf and Trish last year. I think this year he realized that, you know, why can't this be my team? Why can't I'm the lead ball handler? I'm the point guard. Why can't I take over and, and lead this team to victory? And he did exactly that. I mean, what he did against the South Jamaica Kings team, six for seven from three, nine of ten from the floor for 32 points. I'm not sure if he ever scored 32 points in a college game. You know, so the fact that he's, he's getting hot and playing some of the best ball of his life, uh, you know, right now in TBT is super impressive. The moment does not seem too big for him and. Uh, you know, this is not a guy that frankly shows a ton of emotion on the court. He's, he's locked in and he, he goes about his business and uh, he's been impressive for this team. And I think that Armored Athlete will try and maybe take him out of his comfort zone as much as they can and, and you know, be rough and be physical with him. And I think when you have a guy like John Octius, who is a, a more of a defensive-minded guard, and if, if, if Gillen wants to attack the lane, he'll run in the guys like Holloway and Gamble could potentially take him out of his game. But I think that, you know, Gillen's mindset has been so dramatically different this year. And he looks so much more comfortable on the floor that I'm not sure if anyone can take him out of the zone he's in right now. Josh, any thoughts on this matchup from you? Um, no, just looking at Armored Athlete and their stats. I mean, I think we haven't even seen like close to the, the um, what's it called? Close to the ceiling for them. I mean, uh, Thornton, Marcus Thornton, he, he played well for them, but he only shot 36% from the field. He's going to do better than that. And he got the, um, the third most minutes out of anyone. So it's not like it was in limited time. Um, he's going to be better than that this weekend. Um, Dudzinski didn't, he only played 32 minutes. He's a guy who's balled out in TBT. Jordan Hull's getting a little bit older. So he only played 22 total minutes. You think he'll be a little bit more rested and ready to go 
this weekend. Um, Moody only played 23 minutes. Uh, John Octius only played 22 minutes. So the ceiling for this team, I don't think we've even gotten close to w- what they could be. Uh, now with two games under their belt, as they start to gel a little bit more, I think the sky is the limit for Armored Athlete, and I'm going to uh, pick them to win the game. Yeah, they looked great to me. I was, I thought, I think what you're saying about them is right. I don't know if we know how good that team is going to be yet. Jordan Halls is playing those Elam ending minutes uh, at the end of the game, and he looks great. He looked as good as he's ever been to me. So I don't know. I mean, it's going to be a really tough matchup. The one thing I will say is I don't think Syracuse or Bayham's Army could have shot the ball worse than they did in that game against, um, against Fancy. The only threes that they, that were made were ones by Demetrius Nichols, and one of them sealed the deal uh, on the Elam ending. So I, you know, I think it's, it's tempting to pick against Beheim's army. Um, the one thing that is apparent is that whenever they run into a team that has a good offense, which Fancy had a great offense the night before, they should get shut down when they play Syracuse because of that zone. And so there's a real cohesive and uh, uh, effective defensive plan that they have every game. And if you just do something defensively, it almost doesn't matter what you do, but if you're doing it consistently in this environment, it's going to mess with teams, especially if they don't have the reps uh, that some of the uh, the more cohesive units might have, like a primetime, for example. But I'm going to go with Syracuse in this one. Jake, what do you think? I'm going to also take Syracuse. I think you still haven't seen the best of a lot of those guys on the team. Jim Sutherland has been very quiet so far. Brandon Trish as well has been very quiet. Chris Joseph as well. And Chris Joseph, you know, we really looked at as a, an impact guy uh, stepping in for his first year in TBT, someone who could take some of the scoring load. Uh, all three of those guys have been, you know, very quiet so far, and I can't imagine that's going to happen for much longer. And you mentioned Team Fancy being sort of, you know, taken out from and from shooting threes and uh, seven for thirty from that game. But great, those were a lot of, of three point shooters on that team. Mark Lyons, D'Angelo Harrison, Irving Walker, Malcolm Grant—all four of those guys can really shoot the ball, create their own looks from deep. The only difference between them and Armored Athlete is Armored Athlete plays much more of a team style brand of ball as opposed to Team Fancy, which is a lot more one-on-one, you know, Dykeman Park type stuff. Uh, I think that it's, it's a different – with enough ball movement, you can get the zone out of out of its, you know, its form and its core. And I think that Ormond Athlete has enough smart, heady players and, and a solid chemistry that they can end up spacing these guys out and shrinking them and spacing them and, and finding looks both inside and out. I will still take Bayheim's Army because I do think a lot of these guys are going to get hot. I think Eric Devendorf is going to continue to put up numbers and, and to be the guy that we've seen in previous years. I think Arinze Anawaku was going to get a little more comfortable. He says he's still very jet-lagged uh, coming over from the Philippines. He said he was basically sleepwalking on the court this past weekend. I think he'll be a little more woken up this weekend, and uh, they'll get the job done. Dan. Yes. Um, I for, I should have mentioned Armored Athlete. Remember what I said on the podcast, Armored Athlete's a lifestyle. They've been using that on their Twitter. You're a lawyer. Am I entitled to royalties on that? Uh, it depends on whether you used it in commerce or not. I think if you just threw it out there on Twitter, probably not. So unfortunately, you're going to lose out on that one to uh, AJ Mahar, who I'm sure yeah. has already filed the trademark on it. <laughs> Armored Athlete is a lifestyle. All right. The three o'clock game is on ESPN. This features the West region. This starts us off in the round three for the West region. And we have the number one seed team challenge ALS defending West regional champion and finalist from last year's TPT against the number four seeded sons of Westwood, a largely UCLA alumni team, which has added a couple of really great uh, play pieces over the last week or so, which I'll let Jake talk about team challenge. ALS looks great in the West region, looked exactly as they should have and proceeded exactly as a one seed would. And they now get the added benefit of getting Jeff Ayers and Casper Ware 
onto the roster, which are arguably two of their best players uh, for that roster. In the meantime, Sons of Westwood had a couple of close ones out there in the West, but they've uh, survived and they've advanced. And now they've added a couple of key pieces, Jake. They have. They've actually added three key pieces, none with direct ties to UCLA, but nonetheless, three very important players that will play a very uh, serious role for them this weekend and play some pretty big minutes. We'll start with the one I think that they're most excited about in Garrett Nevels from Hawaii, who played overseas last year in Italy with a Euro Cup team. Uh, I've been hearing about him since their first game that Saturday, uh, two weeks ago, uh, when they first stepped on the court for the first time in TBT. This is a guy who's been practicing with them since the, before those games. They had plans to add him for the Super 16 roster before they even stepped on the floor. Uh, they believe that he's a high-level scorer or creator, uh, something that they really need. They kind of identified three points on that team that they really needed to to adjust and improve. One was playmaking, two was, was interior defense, and the third was rebounding. And I think they've been able to do that, not only with Nevels, but other guys as well. Marcus Kennedy from SMU who played on Team Foe last year and was far and away their best player uh, in that last-second uh, defeat against Bayheim's Army. As well, it's Alex Stephenson. Stephenson coming together in the last 24 hours with Jeff Ayers coming into the fold for Team Challenge ALS, a guy with NBA experience, a big body, a true seven-footer. You need someone to kind of take him off the glass and enter Alex Stephenson, 6'10", 250 pounds and about 225 pounds of muscle. Uh, played in the NBA in 2016 with the, the Clippers and the Grizzlies a little bit. This is a, a guy who is tough to move inside, a great diver in the pick and roll, can play above the rim a little bit. But most importantly, is a tenacious rebounder. Averages a double-double no matter where he goes. They needed a guy inside who can move some bodies around, be physical, and, and really stop Ayers from, from getting where he needs to be on the inside. A lot of the guys that they had playing for them previously play certain roles for them, and they're solid, but they're either undersized or not necessarily as physical. I think Stevenson gives you the best of both worlds. And, uh, you know, they, they, want, they honestly identified the guy that they needed to help stop Jeff Ayers, and Stephenson they think is going to be that guy. We'll see if he's able to pull it off. But, yeah, those pieces to, you know, Jordan Adams, Malcolm Lee, Matt Barnes, who is supposedly is going to step on the floor this weekend as he recovers uh, from a hamstring injury. A lot of great pieces on that team. Some shooters, they can stretch the floor, uh, make an impact. If they're able to stay in this game from the jump and they're not down 12 to 14 points at halftime like they were this past weekend, and both of their, excuse me, two weekends ago, in both of those games, they'll have a shot. If they get down that much, Going into half, uh, I imagine Team Challenge ALS is not going to let them throttle. You know, I've talked to a lot of people that were out there in LA and saw Team Challenge ALS, and the kind of common observation was that they just look like a team that has it. And, you know, that doesn't really mean much in terms of my diagnosis, but I just kind of love, I love that reaction that people have when they see certain teams, because that's how I feel when I see certain teams play. Um, you know, what I saw in video, they looked really great. You know, they played very hard as always. They seem to be very motivated by the loss in the championship game last year. So, you know, it's going to be a very, very tough game for UCLA. I think uh, I'm going to go with Challenge ALS in this one. Uh, Josh, I'm sure you have a thought on this as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I wasn't out there and unfortunately couldn't catch much of either of their um, games, whether it be uh, uh, UCLA, Sons of Westwood, or Team Challenge ALS. But um, I do kind of get that same impression just from the little bit I did, was able to watch that I think you said Dan, they're just a team who looks like they have it um UCLA was a very good team um they struggled a little bit here and there but they you know they certainly earned their way to the Super 16 but uh I, I think you know just from watching afar and the limited amount I was able to watch and knowing the additions they have coming I mean 
people, I think people might forget how good Casper were and how important he was for them a year ago. And the fact that they were able to beat the city team Blazers without him. Um, and the city team Blazers are, are, those are all guys they play all the time in the Drew League. The fact that they were able to come back from a deficit and beat them without Ware, without Ayers, I, I just think, I think the West region is kind of theirs to lose, whether yeah. I be it Team Challenge JLS. Yeah, it's going to be, an, well, it's gonna, as they all are at this stage, it's going to be a fantastic game, but that's the, Three o'clock game on the main network on ESPN, the one seeded Team Challenge ALS against the four seed Sons of Westwood. Now, following this, guys, we're going to shift over to ESPNU and we're going to have a matchup between the third seed Gale Nation against five time TPT entrant. And this is the farthest they've ever gotten, the seven seed Everline Drive. Uh, guys, I'm looking forward to this game for a couple of reasons. I think the first one is that when you look back to TPT 2014, and you think about Jacob Hirschman having to play because he was so shorthanded with the roster that he was dealt. Sports Illustrated profiled this team uh, as the worst team in TPT, which they undoubtedly were. And Jacob Hirschman was getting dunked on by Smush Parker and Luke Bonner to the extent that he had to get carted off the court at one point. And to see him now, you know, five years later uh, in law school, thinking about a career in sports and to have this team advance to the Super 16, I know that he personally must be over the moon uh, to get there. Um, and at the same time, Gale Nation, for my money, has Gale been Force. the most – Yeah, what did I say? Gale Nation? Yeah. Gale Gales, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, sorry. Too many Gales. Too, too many Gales. Exactly. Um, but Gale Force, for my money, was the most entertaining offensive team that I've seen so far in TPT, just doing stuff on the court that I haven't seen anywhere. And so they're going to get Diamond Simpson back uh, on Gale Force. They're very excited about them. They are the most uh, low-key and quietly confident team, especially for a first-year team, uh, that I've ever seen in TPT. It's amazing. Mickey McConnell has got this He's got to have like a pulse of like 45 because he's just such a low key guy. But then you get him on the court and he's just destroying people. Um, on the same, uh, at the, on the opposite end here, you've got Eberline Drive. They have uh, added a couple of really key pieces here James Michael McAdoo and Jeremy Evans, both long 6'9. Uh, forwards who I think are going to have a good opportunity, uh, Jake, to kind of disrupt a lot of those passes that we see St. Mary's uh, alumni team, Gale Force, use so effectively a couple of weeks ago. For sure, the, the two new ads in Evans and, and James Michael McAdoo give them an added dynamic to that that front court that they haven't really had. They're, they're big men down there. Alex Kirk, Liam McMorrow, and Willie Reed, who was not there two weeks ago, uh, but nonetheless still on the roster, are sort of true fives, uh, low-post bangers. Now, granted, Kirk spaced the floor a little bit, but nonetheless, they don't have really the foot speed uh, and the agility uh, that James Michael McAdoo and Jeremy Evans. I mean, Jeremy Evans was a slam dunk champion in 2012, played on the Kentucky Kings last year, was one of their, their most important players. And we heard him rumored with a couple teams this year for him to land with Everline at, at a very important point on the, that team, you know, and, and filling a, a very necessary hole for them is going to be huge. It allows them to sort of space the floor a little bit more. James Michael McAdoo is not a true three-point shooter, but is, nonetheless has tried to improve his range. Another guy who played in the NBA this past year with the 76ers on a two-way contract, I would not be surprised to see him shooting away from three uh, when he gets out here in this tournament. Uh, and that's you know, We're also talking about a guy with a championship pedigree, won two NBA championships as well as a D-League champion, uh, championship when he was with the Golden State Warriors organization. You add them in with the guys that they already have. Jerome Randall is probably the best ball handler TBT has to offer. Donald Sloan, who in his first year in TBT, has looked like one of the most prominent scorers. You bring Christian Watford, uh, back into the team who's with the Memphis Grizzlies and summer league has played with armored athlete in the past. They have all the ingredients to sort of get the job done here. 
The only thing is, is, is sort of individual, can individual talent outweigh a fantastic system? And, and Randy Bennett's system that's being uh, enforced by the Gale Force team is just a, an absolute joy to watch. For basketball purists who love X's and O's and scheming, I mean, the kind of stuff that they do is is incredible. I think our, our founder, John Ugar, went back and watched one of those games from the Spokane Hoop Fest pod and, you know, diagram or didn't diagram, but tweeted out some of the plays and, you look at some of the screening action they run, some of the passes that they throw. I mean, in that video, Mickey McConnell throws an absolute gorgeous pass from the right wing to the left corner before Calvin Hermanson is even there. Puts it right in his shooting pocket, and Hermanson knocks down the three. They have all of the pieces on that team. You have to worry about the layoff with them as well, just like you do with like the Golden Eagles team. Uh, but that system, you know, doesn't disappear, you know, overnight. So it might be good enough for them to go out there and really get the job done and defeat Everline despite their latest additions. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the Gale Force team puts five shooters on the court at almost all times. You know, Sam Han has turned himself not only from an inside threat, but an outside threat as well. You know, so between Sam Han and, and Simpson, they seem to have the the height uh, and the uh, the big guys to, to battle with Everline. Everline is definitely a deeper team. I mean, Gale Force is going to play with eight. I think the eight they have are exactly the eight that they want, so they don't seem to be concerned about it. But either way, it's really going to be a fantastic matchup. That's going to be the 5 o'clock game on ESPNU live from Atlanta. Uh, guys, let's get a quick prediction on this one. Jake, you, you start. I'm going to go with Gale Force. I think that they're knocking on the door of the West Region title. Interesting. Josh? Yeah, I'm going to go Gale Force, too. Uh, let's pick our regional champions, too, after you make your prediction, Dan. All right. I'm going to – you know, I'm really inclined to pick – Gale Force, but there might be something magical about this Eberline team. You know, Matt Mitchell's a five-year TPT -er, um joined up with Jake uh, Hirschman in that second year. They, they've put something together here. I like the two additions that they've brought in. I'm going to pick Eberline and see what happens with that one. I might be totally wrong, but, you know, I have a feeling that this could be a year of destiny for them. They are, uh, in all the best ways, sort of the Forrest Gump of TBT. If they have, if something could have been done in TBT, the guys from Everline Drive have done it. They've won the DraftKings contest in 2015. You know, they've won the bidding contest uh, to get in one year. So, you know, these guys have kind of run through every possible um, opportunity that TBT has to present. And I just have a feeling that this could be, this could be the year that uh, everything kind of comes together for Everline Drive. So we'll see what happens. Uh, that's the five o'clock game on ESPNU. Now, the next day, uh, we start back up with regional championship play. Uh, the first game of the day, uh, actually, we haven't set the schedule yet, so it's not known which team and which regional is going to go first. But we have four games back to back to back to back. The first three on ESPN and the final game on ESPN2. Coverage starts on Sunday, July 29th at 11 a.m., and the last game tips off at 7 p.m. on ESPN2. Uh, it's going to be an amazing day of basketball, again, from Atlanta at Georgia State University. Um, so let's pick on this occasion now, without knowing exactly who's going to advance. Uh, Jake, why don't you give us your South Regional Champion? I picked Overseas Elite to win TBT 2018. I haven't picked against them all year. Until they lose a game, I'm never planning on picking against them. So I will, as much as I love that VCU team, and I think that they could be a very worthy South Regional Champion, I'm going to go with Overseas Elite until proven otherwise. Josh, yeah, South I think region. the way they're playing, I think you know you, every game with them in the Super 16 and Regional Championship has been a relatively close game. Um, I, I'm not saying they're going to blow either of these teams out, but I could see them just running through the week. The way they played, that was the best first weekend they've ever played. They're clicking on all cylinders. I think they just want to win a TB champion, TBT Championship and retire. Um, so I, I'm going to have them winning the region. 
Yeah, I agree. I think overseas elite is probably going to take this one, but you know, I think th- that first matchup against Louisiana United will tell us everything we need to know. I think. Um, all right, let's go on to the Midwest before we make our Midwest predictions. I do want to reveal that I just heard from Scooney Penn that Taylor Battle will not be there this weekend. He also is getting married, so a very yeah. popular weekend to get married uh, on the twenty seventh of uh, July. I'm sorry, it's twenty eighth of July. Clearly, so. Midwest Regional, uh, I'll start this time. I'm going to go with Team Fredette. I think this is a team of destiny. I think missing those two pieces for Scarlet and Gray is going to be a challenge for them. I think even if they did advance, a lot of those guys, I think, are going to go down to Miami and then come back for Sunday. Um, Team Fredette's going to stick around in Atlanta that whole weekend. Uh, Jimmer's on fire, so I'm going to roll with Team Fredette. Uh, We'll see if I get proven wrong on that one. Josh. Well, I, I got to go with my guys from primetime winning that region. Chris Thomas at this point has basically said I can have any job with the primetime players I want if I ever make it down to Charlotte. So uh, I'm going to roll with my guys, primetime. Jake, Midwest. O-H-I-O. I got Scarlet and Gray ah. pulling it out. Regardless of, of the absences that are happening on Saturday and potentially on Sunday if they were to move on, uh, I, I think that they're riding high off this past weekend. They have all the pieces. They know what it takes to get to Baltimore. I think we'll see them again this year. All right, let's go on to the Northeast Regional. Um, your options here are Golden State, uh, Golden State, <laughs> Golden Eagles alumni. I will say Golden State. Yeah, Golden State, I, you <laughs> know, I don't know. I, I'd love to see overseas lead against Golden State, but that's a topic. I'd, I'd like to see State. a Warriors alumni team. I think we're about five years out. From yeah, that, that could be fun. Uh, Golden Eagles alumni versus Talladega Knights, Bayheim's Army versus Armored Athlete. Uh, Jake, let's start with you. Which, four te- which of those four teams is going to advance through the Northeast Regional? Uh, I'm going to take Bayheim's Army again, another team that knows what it takes to get to – uh, Baltimore. I think that this is truly their most talented team that they've ever brought to TBT, despite the fact that they've played two close games. I, I think that the guys that they've added to this team as well, the guys that have returned, not only from last year's team, but from previous iterations, uh, are extremely talented players and, and will allow them uh, to pull this out and to beat their competition, both against Armored Athlete and the winner of the Eagles and Knights. Josh, Northeast Regional Champ. This Armored Athlete team reminds me a little bit of Bayham's Army from last year in terms of they've got so close for a couple of years and then made a really big push the next year, added a couple of huge pieces and finally got over the hill. I think Armored Athlete does that this year. They finally get over the hill with uh, some of the new additions they made and they uh, make it to Baltimore. I do think the winner of that Bayham's Army game, Armored Athlete, is going to win that region. Uh, I'm going to stick with Bayham's Army only because they're the first seed. I, I think that that um, 1 p.m. game on ESPN on Saturday with Bayhem's Army and Armored Athlete, I think, has the potential to be one of, if not the best game in TBT history. And that's saying a lot because you, from the round of 16 forward, almost every one of them has been fantastic. But I'm going to stick with Bayhem's Army as the one seed. Uh, the West Regional, I'm going to stick with the one seed again. I think Team Challenge ALS, again, is a team of destiny. I think they're deep. I love getting back. Casper Ware and Jeff Ayers. I think this team is really well organized. Darren Collison has done a fantastic job of coaching them. They're smart. They're put together. Uh, they're totally in on the Elam ending from a strategy standpoint. So I don't see them making a mistake in that regard. So I'm going to go with Team Challenge ALS. Uh, Jake, let's get your thoughts on the West Regional Champion. And a Super 16 that features a 15 seed, a 12 seed, and a 16 I can, a seed. I cannot pick four number one seeds. <laughs> I have to be a little bit outside the box, and I think I'm going to go with Gale Force. Diamond Simpson is the biggest addition to any team that we've seen in the Super 16. The school's all-time leading rebounder, shot blocker, and steals maker. Uh, an awesome system, an awesome group of guys that all know how to gel and play well together. I think I'm going to take Gale for it. It's a first-time TBT participant to win the West Region this year. Josh. 
Yeah, my heart tells me Gale Force, just because Jake mentioned it when he was talking about him. I love the way they play the game. Um, just that kind of system, each and every possession down the floor, they run their offense. So my heart tells me to pick them. But um, I, I do think Team Challenge ALS is kind of um, – might have that Team of Destiny approach to them. And I think um, – that they ultimately make it through. Well, no matter who makes it through, uh, to be honest with you, at this point, it's hard to root against any of these teams. They're just all, all a bunch of great guys. Almost every guy in this uh, playing in the Super 16 at this point is a current professional. The ones that aren't, you can't help but root for, um, including all those guys from primetime players. It's going to be a great week, four days, uh, four-day weekend, I guess, in Atlanta, live at Georgia State University. Tickets are available, so please check out thetournament.com for more information on that. All of these games are going to be broadcast and telecast on ESPN Family of Networks. Again, you can catch us on Thursday night on ESPN2, Friday night on both ESPN2 and later on ESPN. Most of the day on Saturday is going to be on the main network on ESPN and will conclude at 5 p.m. on ESPNU. Again, we come back with the regional championships, the quarterfinals on ESPN and ESPN2 on Sunday, July 29th, starting at 11 a.m., and we're not going to be out of there until at least 9 o'clock on Sunday night. So if you're a basketball fan, there's no reason why you would not watch TBT this weekend on ESPN. Guys, any parting thoughts, anything we should be looking forward to, any players in particular that you're looking forward to catching this weekend? We'll start with uh, Jake. I'm very excited to see uh, the new guys for UCLA to see how they gel with, with the group. They've, they've really put a lot of thought into adding those guys into, you know, really making it work there. And, you know, the story, I don't think we really touched on the storylines from that game. Storylines up and down the board from Team Challenge ALS for Sons of Westwood. You have brother versus brother and Isaac Hamilton versus uh, Jordan Hamilton. And not to mention the fact that Isaac Hamilton actively recruited Jordan to play for Sons of Westwood. He turns them down only to join Team Challenge ALS in injury replacement for Austin Day. I can tell you that my, my sources say that Isaac was not very happy about Jordan's Ooh, decision to go over that. So a little little family drama going on there in the Hamilton household. But you got UCLA head coach versus UCLA head coach. Obviously, it's a UCLA alumni team, but Darren Collison has ties to the school as well. He went there before becoming a first-round pick in the NBA. Uh, you know, and not to mention two California, L.A.-style based teams, uh, family versus family, school family versus school family. Uh, that one's going to be a lot of fun. Very much looking forward to seeing who comes out on top there. Josh, anybody you're looking forward to seeing in particular? Yeah, I think I think we're all kind of partial to the regions that we went to and the teams in that region. I think just by human nature from interacting with all those guys for the weekends we were with them. So I'm going to go with the South region, which I was in. Um, DRC, I think, is my most – the team I'm most intrigued to watch play against even tougher competition. Um, Dan, Dominique Jones looked so good last weekend that I, he can single-handedly carry his team. I mean – basically the South regional title um, if he plays the level he was playing, um, but he's going to face tougher competition. Um, he's not going to be able to ball handle as much when you're playing more sophisticated type of defenses. So how does DRC adjust to, again, tougher competition? If they can do it well, um, you know, who knows? Maybe they could beat overseas elite. If not, they'll lose to Ram Nation uh, tomorrow, Thursday night. So uh, I think the way they adjust is probably the most interesting thing for me. Yeah. I mean, I would have to note that, as many times as we've seen them win already, I just am so fascinated by overseas elite every time they take the court. It seemed to me like there was this palpable sense of awe, like an aura about them almost. You know, that you could feel it when they came on the court uh, when we were in Richmond uh, a couple of weeks ago. And there's just such a confidence and intensity that they play with that I didn't see any other team 
uh, play with the whole time. You know, everything with them is they don't they fight for everything, every loose ball, every steal, every rebound. They never give up on a play. And so, um, you know, that's the team I think I'm looking forward to seeing play again. But we'll see what happens. It's going to be a fantastic weekend in Atlanta. Uh, Jake and Josh, looking forward to meeting you up there uh, later this week. Congratulations on uh, making it this far, guys. Looking forward to catching you later this week. Congratulations to you, too. A lot of hard work over there, Dan. All right. We'll talk soon, and we'll be back with another edition of the TBT Podcast, hopefully previewing that semifinals matchup uh, next week. Talk to you soon.